On this episode of Mentor Moments, we are welcomed by Fiona Hill, a licensed professional counselor and a registered play therapist. That sentence alone says so much. It's asking for connection, it's asking for presence, and it's asking for communication. Fiona Hill is the owner and operator of Lighthouse Play and Consulting. All right, today we have our guest Fiona Hill joining us. Fiona, thanks for for sharing your life with us. So our listeners would love to for you to tell us a little bit about your career. I'm a licensed professional counselor. Um, and I graduated from Maryville in when what? 2003. No. 2013. I just like forgot a one there somewhere. Um, anyway, so I graduated from Maryville in 2013 with a master's in rehabilitation counseling. And I, um, I, I've spent most of my career working in either government or in nonprofit or, um, or community mental health. And so I, so once I graduated, I started my, uh, licensure process and became a play therapist. And so that's what I'm doing now. Um, I, right now I'm in private practice. I've been in private practice since 2019 full time. Um, and so I get to, um, I get to use play therapy with kids and families. So, um, I, I joke and say, I get to play all day. Um, and that's probably my favorite part of the, my career and, and sometimes it really it plays work. And so the play is really serious, but, um, it is my favorite. It is my favorite. And Brayton will know, I can't say that part of it without also talking about digital play therapy and incorporating um, technology and digital tools, um, in therapy. I think, Play therapy in general is my favorite, but digital play therapy just in incorporating technology really just opened up my clients and my practice in a way that I was not expecting. So you're our first play therapist we've interviewed. So could could you give a, just a quick definition or you know example of how you use play while you're working with your with your clients? Um, so play therapy is incorporating, um, the, the words and the language of kids, which is play. And so the toys are, um, we like to say that the toys are actually, um, words and we say kids, but I really, I'm a firm believer that even adults are kids at heart and there are things that play therapy there are things that play therapy are good across a lifespan for um and so it's really it's really a way to get into what's going that's what what's going on beyond maybe what words can explain for 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 some of our listeners who want to get a little bit more information is is there a a a website or or something that you would um, suggest that they, they check out. Yeah. So, um, the play therapy website is 
www.a4pt.org. Awesome. We can, we'll put a link in our description to that as, as well. So. Yeah. So, and it has a lot of, it has a lot of resources for, um, for the community and then also professionals kind of talking about what it is and, and things like that. So cool stuff. I love that you, you mentioned like that communication piece. Um, because like one thing that I've noticed, like at least in my practice is like the vocabulary that adults have is not the vocabulary that kids have. So like sharing the best, I mean, the best way that kids share their thoughts and feelings and actions and emotions that's in play. I mean, that's their main communication tool. Right. And if they not say, Hey, I had a really hard day and I had some big feelings. Can you help me? Instead, it might look like, will you play with me? Yeah. You know, and so that sentence alone says so much. It's asking for connection. It's asking for presence. And it's asking for communication in a way that that is their mode of communication. I would love to hear more about how incorporating uh, like that, the, the, that digital piece um, to it has, you mentioned that it's changed your practice. I'd love to learn more, know more about that. How much time do we have? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so really, so, and I think about it a lot because um, as a kid, I loved video games and I did, and I never, I never connected it because as I got older, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't play video games. So I had access to them at my grandparents' house. I had an Atari and played Pac-Man. That's, that's, so that's a long time ago. Um, but, um, so as I got older, I didn't have access to it, so I didn't play. And then when I was a, when I was, um, a young adult, I played, but again, I didn't think anything of it. And then, um, then COVID hit and, as, and it's funny though, because I, I remember a week before saying there's play therapists that do play therapy online. Never. That will not be me. And then a week later, guess who is emailing her client? Hey, we're going all telehealth. So, and we're going to make it work. Um, and so, um, there, and there's different there's different parts of, of play therapy, but one of those is sand tray. So basically, sand tray is a way to use miniatures in in sand to create a world and to communicate, process things, um, and just to be able to externalize and put distance to the story. And I, and I love St. Trade. That's really one of the things that helped me to fall in love with play therapy. And I was like, how am I going to do sand tray? How am, how am I going to do this? Because I, you know, I brought every, I brought all of my, I brought all of my stuff home because, you know, I, I wasn't using my office. And so long story short, I was asking around and there, um, there's an app called the Virtual Sanctuary app that was co-created by Dr. Jessica Stone and her husband as a therapy tool. 
And so that, I say that was kind of like my gateway into digital incorporating technology and digital tools. And then Dr. Stone has like all this amazing information. And so I just kind of dove in and that's, yeah. And I'll, and, and I'll never forget my first client who I started using it with. And, um, when we went to telehealth, I spent three months doing parent coaching because our first video session, he was like, I'm not talking to you. You're a poopy head. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I guess we won't talk. You know, but I noticed that the entire time he was next to his parent, he had his iPad. And so when I went back into person, when I went back in person, I started incorporating it. And he went from even when we were in person before, he wasn't able to last more than 15 minutes. We went from 15 minutes. To almost a full hour and and we went from I'm not talking to you to dad guess what oh and let me back up I have permission to share this share this story so um, just for everybody out there I just want you to know that I have permission um, but you know going from not talking to you to dad guess what Fiona and I adopted each other in Roblox I was like buddy, you have my heart like forever and always, <laughs> you know? And so that was my, that was my first really in-depth in introduction to use of it. And, and then not to mention just the professional and personal connections that I've made um, through lifetime friendships. So, okay. Oh, that's great. I love it. I mean, I, 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 have a sand tray in my office. I've been able to utilize sand tray and I, I definitely understand the, uh, the, the challenges and difficulties that come with, uh, going virtual. Um, I, every snow day that rolls around, part of me is just like, Oh no, okay. It's time to prepare. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this virtually? So, um, so transitioning, I suppose, to our next question, um, this season we're we're, we're spending uh, some time discussing about like career development, um, where people are in their careers. Are they just starting out? Are they maybe in a middle part? You know, um, it, it's it's really cool to see um, the different needs of each um, stage. So, for you personally, where would you say you are in that like career development process? Yeah. So I was thinking about this question today and I actually texted a friend and colleague because we were talking about this when I went to, um, when I went to a training a couple of weeks ago and she has this wonderful phrase that I'm going to quote and I'm going to credit her cause I was like, I, I, I'm going to use it and you'll get credit, but I need it word for word. So, um, um, I am a promising beginner. And um, my friend Deb, Deborah McManus um, says that there could be other people that say it, but I heard it from her. Um, but and that's what she tells her, you know, her supervisees and her interns. For the first ten years, you are a promising beginner. And I feel like because I went, I went into counseling kind of the long way around. Um, I when I when I graduated from in my bachelor's program, I knew that I wanted to be a counselor, but that was 
I graduated in 2000. And so then, you know, so I went the long way around and now here I am. So I feel like, and I've only been, I've been in social services all of that time. And I've only been a therapist since 2017. So I feel like maybe I'm a promising intermediate. I, I love that, that term. To me, it, it really, it's very strength-based. It, it denotes sort of a lifelong learner. And just because we have a degree or a job doesn't mean we're, we're stopped, right? That there, there's more. Um, yeah, I might have to steal that or borrow that or quote that, 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 that phrase as well. Go for it. She, she's, she's a genius. So. And again, I, I, I think that like when we talk about career development, I mean, you really hit two things there that you are experienced in helping field social services, but then you went back for another degree. And so that does sort of, I don't want to say restart, but you're again, in, in one way, you're very experienced, like you said, sort of maybe the intermediate now, uh, be, you know, beginner or promising intermediate, but, but you're, you're, again, you kind of have two, two different career phases, I guess, is what I'm, I'm trying to say here. So. And I think, and, and I, and as we're talking about it, I think too, that development, it, we tend to look at it, or I tend to look at it linear and it's really not because you know, I can be, I can be a promising beginner in one area and be a promising intermediate in another area and be a promising expert in another area all simultaneously. Um, it makes me think about, I took a, I took a, um, clinical supervision training over the summer and it was talking about the difference the developmental model of supervision and how you have these different developmental levels. And that's kind of what that reminds me of. Yeah. You said that much better than I did when I was trying to say that it's not linear and, and we can kind of cycle through it at different times, or again, depending on sort of what we're developing, we're, we're, we're at different, different phases. Yeah. So I think that transitions nicely to, can you think of any moments that were more impactful than others to your career development? And then what you learned from those moments? There's a lot, there's a lot. Um, and, you know, I've already mentioned, you know, my delve into digital play, but I think, I'll, I think I, it will always be imprinted in my mind when I was working in community mental health as a clinical case manager and I had, um, and so there's two things about that. Um, when I interviewed for the therapist job, my director, the director at the time said, okay, Fiona, so if we were to hire you, what age group would you want to work with? And I said, five to 12, and then 25 and up, you know, so I missed like that whole, you know, adolescent stage. And she said, Fiona, that's not going to happen. I'm like, well, you can try. Right. Um, and then the other thing was that once, once I was, once I was offered the position and I accepted it, it was that transition period of, 
um, I was ending one job and starting another one. And I remember looking. So, so I'm across, I'm across my desk from a family and the, and it was a teenager and in the back of my head, Fiona, what did you just get yourself into? Like, okay, I can do it. You know, I can do it. And then, you know, setting and then transitioning into being a therapist and hearing this family story and thinking, wow, you should really go to therapy. And then it's like, oh, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I get to be the therapist, you know, and so, yeah, so all, so I think there's a lot, there's been a lot of um, transformational periods, but just, you know, but I guess the main one transitioning from a, a professional life that I'd always known, I mean, I could do case management with my eyes closed. You know, I can, I can, I can list resources like, okay, this, you know, you need something fixed. I can give you the resource to fix it. But then, you know, that transition of, okay, so yeah, now I get to, now I get to sit here in, in the strength and in the mess and we figure it out together. Has there been anything that has really surprised you from that transition? Things that you thought would be really hard that turned out being really easy? So when I, so when I first started, because I'd been doing case management for so long, one of the things that I struggled with, or at least in the beginning, and then I thought that I would ongoingly struggle with, was having a long-term relationship with clients. Because case management, you know, it's, I mean, you might, you might, you might, work with people more than once but it's okay so we have this concern we have this issue we're going to take care of it and then now we're going to move on we're going to move on um and so i think it has really surprised me in the way that i haven't able to actually you know develop those relationships long term well i can see where both of those situations are really transition points like like you said i remember as an early teacher when i was first started teaching i was at different institutions and so i never taught the same student twice and so there was a difference when oh i sort of have a past relationship with you at least from this course to here and to really kind of whether it was good or bad or or neutral like okay what does that mean here and how do you keep well that was last semester's work separate from this semester's work and and just kind of continue or, you know, to build that way. And, and um, I, you know, I hear a lot of our, our students talk about when a client doesn't come back, right? And, what, okay, what does that mean? Did they fire me or, or, or whatnot? And so just sort of kind of processing that. So, yeah, I can see where those are, are sort of transition points. So I think, like, going, going off of that, Ben, uh, you've already, um, you know, chat a little bit about the things in your career now that you really really enjoy that um, are really really exciting 
are there anything else? Anything else just about like that, that being a therapist, being an, an, an LPC that is incredibly exciting for you, that is totally new? I feel like I'm always learning and there's, there's always, um, there's always something, um, there's always something to build on. There's always something to learn. Um, and I think of, and, and I think a lot about, uh, my Angelus quote, when you know better, you do better. And so just being able to just being able to find information, get information, um, and then not just having information just to have it, but to be able to apply it. Um, one of my, one of my early clinical supervisors, um, would say often that, um, if you have to be in a corner, make it the best corner ever. And so sometimes when, when we go into a session, it might look different, but every time we have, we have the opportunity to make it the best that we can. I, I mean that, yeah. I mean, I don't know what your mentor moment's going to be, but that was pretty good right there. Right. That, 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 what a, what a message for our listeners to, again, no matter what situation, how do we make it the best that we can? You know, what's, so I, I appreciate that. This season, we're also trying to not only focus on career development, but also recognize that we need life-work balance as well, and that we're more than our career. So who are you besides being Fiona Hill, LPC, play therapist extraordinary? Well, I like to spend time with people. Um, I like to be around people. Um, I like to read. Um, I like to spend time in nature, but I don't want to live out in the country. I like to visit, but I don't want to live there. Um, well, well, what are you reading right now? Um, so I do like historical fiction. Um, and so I've actually, um, Deer Creek Ride is, is a good series that I like right now. Um, and as I've gotten older, um, I'm leaning more towards like the audio books. And so I'm starting to really like those a lot, but yeah. And I do like to geek out and read like play therapy books and stuff like that, but that still work though. So. Well, I was going to ask if you're playing any video games. Yes, I do like to play video games too. Um, what am I playing right now? I do still like to play Animal Crossing. Yep. <laughs> um, I haven't played in a while, but Don't Starve Together is good. Have you guys played that at all? Okay, so Don't Starve Together is it's a farm-based game, but it's a collaborative game. And I think they have it on Switch too, but it's on it's a computer-based game mostly. And so it it cycles by day. And the goal is for everybody to work together to gather resources and to survive. I can see Brayton thinking he's getting getting ready to get some new video games in his life, I think. Well I was just gonna say we should do like Dr. Keener and I like we should do like a like a Twitch stream of us playing that game. That'd be funny. That'd be hilarious. Uh, so I think you briefly mentioned um, a professional organization. Um, but we would really love to give you 
the mic, um, learn about any professional organizations that you're a part of, anything that you'd like to go deeper on, any shout outs, anything that you recommend? Um, so I am, so I'm a member of, um, APT, Missouri APT, and then, which is the Association for Play Therapy. Um, I am a member of the World Association for Sand Therapy Professionals. I had to think about it because it's a long title. I had to think about it. Um, and then I am involved with a committee. It's called um, Mental Health and Virtual Reality. Um, and so we're working on some really cool research and writing for that. And then um, I'm an advisory board an advisory board member for digital play therapy so yeah what what do you get out of being a member or what what makes you a joiner my wife always calls me a joiner so what what makes you a joiner yeah which one hey any of them i mean you know so um abt um you just have to you just have to be you just have to be interested in play therapy and so and there's dues associated with that and then um with um with the mental health and virtual reality you just have to have an interest in it and so um yeah well fiona now's the time are you ready we're we're turning the mic over to you we're ready for you to wrap all this great episode up let us know your mentor moment okay okay so the first one is from my amazing mentor the best person ever on the planet said that if you have to be in a corner make it the best corner ever that is dr daniel blash senior who said that and then the second one is if you're a student Figure out your theoretical orientation. Know it well. Learn about all the theories and practice them. Know them well. And then as a clinician, know what your theoretical basis is, but know enough about the other one so that you can be prescriptive. That's awesome. I mean, that is such a... Um impactful, two impactful thoughts. Uh, again, maybe it's the educator in, in me when you were speaking to the students. I kind of watching Brayton's uh, face while you were giving that too, and I could see his his brain thinking as as well. Fiona, thank you so much. I, I, I mean, I, it's so applicable because I mean, being a student just like less than a year ago and now going into, into like being a clinician, those are both so applicable. Um, so yeah, I, I love those. And it's so hard figuring out what your theoretical orientation is, right? Because in school, it's just a brief overview of all of them. But really what I'm finding, especially in, especially in play therapy, that if you know your theoretical orientation, it doesn't matter what the modality is, whether it's traditional play, digital play, sand play, you have your foundation and then that's going to guide your work with people.
Thanks again for listening to another episode of Mentor Moments. And we want to take this time to get to listen to you guys, our audience. If there's anybody specific or anybody in a certain area of expertise that you would love us to interview, feel free to give us an email. Our emails are linked in the bio of this episode. We couldn't be more happy about the amount of listens and plays and interaction that we've gotten from season one and season two. Brayden and I are continually trying to be innovative, create new episodes, uh, new features in the episodes. So please, as Brayden said, let us know your thoughts. We, We want to meet your needs and continue to grow Mentor Moments.